Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. I receive questions from listeners all of the time about sex. And this comes a lot of times from different angles. It could be things like, what does the Bible say? Or what are the rules? You know, what's a good dating practice? How should I even think about this? And really and truly, it all boils down very often to the same question. Do I need to wait until I'm married to have sex? I got a question from a listener recently that really, I thought, just put a lot of the thoughts that we have about this subject all down into one question. And I'm going to read just a piece of it for you. But she said, it's hard enough to find a good man who's interested in me. And I think it sounds a little ridiculous to say I want to wait until marriage to have sex, especially when I have a kid already. Also, when waiting to have sex until marriage, you really aren't supposed to be living together. But isn't it important that I'm confident that my child will be comfortable living with a different person, with a different man, before I marry them? And she's saying that she hasn't really gotten into a serious relationship, but she wants to know where her convictions lie before she even gets there. And I love that she said that because I think this is something that a lot of times we might have some fog around what we really think or what we should do. And if we step into a relationship without already knowing how we want to approach this, it can lead to some pretty difficult situations. So I'm so thankful that she wrote this question. I have had these same questions myself when I first became a single mom. Um, This was something that I really had to grapple with too, you know, and part of it for me was that I had waited the first time around to have sex until I was married. And obviously things didn't work out so well. And so what I was trying to do was get my mind around what's left, you know, where, where am I going with all of this now? Like I do have all these kids. I've obviously already been there. So what's the point? And I think that's the question that all of us are asking is what is the point? How do we understand this? If this is something that obviously we have already experienced, what is the point of waiting? And I think one of the reasons why we really want to get to the root of this is that there's just not even that much dialogue about it at all, you know, and the answers are often very insufficient. You know, if it gets talked about in your church or in Christian communities, it's often just kind of approached with this, don't do it kind of mentality or a because God said so kind of an answer. And a lot of times that's not enough to help us with really gaining not only a conviction, but some wisdom around why we would do or would not do certain things. Honestly, if we even think about our own kids, that answer of because I said so doesn't often hold a whole lot of water when it comes to getting our kids to do something. 
And I think that sometimes we have that trouble in our own lives with really trying to get an understanding of like, why does this even matter? Why is this something that we should consider when it comes to the way that God has designed things for us? And there are a lot of reasons why we ask this question. There's a lot of implications for us, you know, as this listener touched on that one of the first things that she addresses is the fact that it seems like perhaps I might be limiting my options. You know, what if there is a good man out there who doesn't really feel like waiting? You know, I don't want to miss the boat. I don't want to miss out on this good relationship with this good man because I have a different opinion on this especially if that opinion isn't fully formed or isn't something that you really totally see the benefit of. You know, and the other thing this listener addresses especially is this readiness factor. You know, if we are looking at our future and our kids' future, and maybe in the past things haven't gone exactly the way that we hoped they would, we might be a little bit gun shy. We might be a little concerned that we're going to make a mistake again in the future. And so we want to know that we know that we know that we know that this is gonna be the right one, that this is gonna be the right step. And whether that then means that we're considering having sex before we get married or living with this person before we get married, sometimes it's the sense of, I just wanna have as much information as possible to make this decision. What we're really trying to figure out is, is this person going to be the partner and the parent that I hope that they will be? And so when we combine these factors, you know, we may be in this space in our minds of how can I afford to wait to have sex until I get married? How can I afford to wait to live with this person after we get married? It seems like there is so much at stake here and we don't want to put any more risk towards this. But what I want us to consider today as we're talking about this is what if you already have too much at stake? What if not waiting is the riskier thing? Not waiting to have sex, not waiting to live together is the riskier thing. What if you can't afford not to wait? You know, as I've wrestled with my own thoughts about this subject, I've come to this understanding that I believe God does not want to ruin our fun. I actually think God wants us to have the most fun. I think he wants us to get the most out of what he has for our lives, what he's designed these things to be all about, what he's designed our relationships to be all about. And I believe that he wants us to have the most freedom and wholeness in pursuing the things that he has for us in life. And, you know, when we think about that word freedom, sometimes we sense that freedom means I should get to do whatever I want. But if we think about freedom even living in this country, for example, freedom doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. We have rules, we have laws, you know? Our neighbors have the freedom to come bang on our front door in the middle of the night, but we wouldn't appreciate that, right? They have the, they have the freedom to set off fireworks while our kids are sleeping at three o'clock in the morning on a school night. They have the freedom to do that. But it's not the way that things work. We have laws against that kind of stuff so that everyone within those guidelines has the ability to enjoy their lives to the fullest possible while we are still doing life with one another. We have to have a uniform definition of what freedom really is in order for any of us to even be able to enjoy it. And so when it comes to those guidelines, those guidelines about sex, I'm actually not gonna belabor that here then the reason is we 
generally know what those guidelines are. We wouldn't be asking these questions of, do I have to wait, if we didn't think that that was one of the guidelines. You know, we wouldn't be approaching this subject. And if it's something that you are not sure that is a guideline, certainly there are plenty of other resources and podcasts and things like that that you can check into. And if it's something you don't believe is a guideline, I'm also sure you probably wouldn't be listening to me today. So for the purposes of this conversation, we're just going to assume, we're going to have that uniform definition I just described, that one of the guidelines when it comes to sex, God's design for sex, is that it is reserved specifically for a marriage relationship. As I said before, some of the reason that we grapple with this question is we're trying to figure out, well, but if I've already experienced this, does this rule really apply to me anymore? You know, does this standard have anything to do with me now? Especially perhaps if I already was married, you know, I've already waited maybe, whatever the case might be, but we're just not really even sure that we fall under that umbrella anymore. And I think what is important here for us to consider is like, let's pull back from your previous experiences. Let's pull back from what we're seeing through the lens of where we've been already and all that kind of stuff. And let's look at just the design of sex in general and why this guideline exists in terms of the overall design. So in describing this, I want you to think about the appliances in your home. You know, you think about you've got a microwave, you've got an oven, you've got a stove, you've got all of these things, right? And they all had a blueprint from the fabricator as far as how they were going to get built. There was an initial design. And then with each appliance, there is an owner's manual. There is something that teaches us how we are supposed to use that product in order to get the most out of its design. So when we think about that, you know, we're not trying to wash dishes in our oven. We're not trying to dry clothes in the microwave because that is not what they were designed for. And ultimately, actually, if we're using this thing for a purpose it was not designed for, it can be detrimental. You know, if we're trying to microwave clothes, that can start a fire. That's bad. <laughs> you know, and so when we think about something, anything, having a design and a way that it is supposed to be utilized in order to get the most out of it, we can see that sex is the same thing. God has a design for sex and the way that we can get the most out of it. And the manual for that is the Bible where he's teaching us, this is how you can get the most out of this thing that I have created. You know, and just like with the owner's manual, you know, if we read the manual, you might actually find out what all those extra buttons, you know, on the appliance are for, what they do. And the same thing is true that if we are following the design for this, then there are extra benefits that we have to gain in terms of a marriage relationship and the way it connects us to one another that we are not even aware of on this side of that equation. And so it's something that in just understanding that the manual is telling us how this thing is going to be best enjoyed, then we have the ability to understand, you know what, there's maybe something beyond this design that I don't see when I'm on this side of the equation and or when I've had really bad harmful, dangerous, or toxic experiences with this thing. You know, and to go one further, sex is obviously way more powerful than a microwave, <laughs> you know? And as the creator of something so powerful, God knows that that power can be extremely beautiful in the right setting. But sex is not beautiful in every setting. There are definitely places where it can be destructive, as I mentioned, when it is not being applied in the right way, when it is not according to his design. 
And we know how powerful this is because the Bible tells us that this is something that has the ability to bond two people spiritually, that there's a one flesh thing that happens here between two people that truly when it comes to the spiritual and emotional implications of that, we don't even we don't even really understand what that all is, you know? That's a world that we can't see. That's a world that we don't even fully know or can perceive while we're, you know, in our bodies and really especially looking at things that deal with the physical world. But we know that it's there, you know? And the deal is God doesn't want us to be harmed. He knows that this thing is so powerful and because of the power of it that his children are able to best enjoy it when they're in a safe relationship, that when there is emotional safety that's been created in a relationship, that that is the best context in order for those two people to enjoy and get the most out of what God created in sex. And he does not want for us to be in situations that are not fully safe, where we don't have our personhood being honored, where we're not fully being dignified by the other person. And that is something that is what creates unsafety, is when those things are not in place yet. And God doesn't want that for us. And so that is why the context of a marriage relationship is so important, because that's the least risk that is where two people have committed fully their lives to one another and are saying, I won't leave you. So that when things do get tough, that commitment is what is underneath the entire relationship. That's the foundation that's already been created. And that is what's safest for us. Now, are there times where that doesn't happen? 100%. That's why I'm having this podcast with you. That's why I host a show called The Christian Single Moms Podcast. That did not happen. But I can tell you what, even though I told you at the beginning that I waited, my relationship was not pure. I didn't follow the instruction manual. So that while I technically waited, there were definitely some things I technically did not wait to do. And that had its implications in not building a relationship that had a safe foundation. And that is what God desires for us is that safe, solid foundation of knowing that you have tested this out, that you have vetted this person before you jump into this situation that is full of all of this power so that you can actually get the most out of it. And I know I sort of said in jest, God wants us to have the most fun. And when you're a single person, you're like, yeah, but that I'm not getting to enjoy that fun. But the point is, God wants you to get the most out of your life. More than sex, God wants you to get the most out of your life. And that means that while you are single, you're not worrying about all this stuff. You're not worrying about whether or not this person's going to up and leave one day. You're not worrying about that because they haven't committed to you yet. That this is something that you are protected and you are safe by not engaging in this at a period of time where that commitment hasn't been made yet. And so that you have the ability to enjoy that freedom I was telling you about. You know, the freedom to move through your life with a little bit more ease, a lot more ease, because this is not something that you are worried about or consumed by or obsessed with. And to frame up our understanding, though, of how this all connects to our relationships, how we walk this out in relationships, the power of sex, I want you to think of firstly as a fire. Stephen Furtick uses this example of sex as being like a fire. And 
He describes the fact, though, that God knows the conditions that are best for that fire. So if you think about, you know, fire in a fireplace, fireplace is cozy. Fireplace, you want to sit close to it and get the hot chocolate out and the blankets and all that kind of stuff. It is enjoyable because that fire is safely contained in that fireplace. But if you think about fire in the middle of your living room, maybe even the same room, right, but not safely contained in that fireplace, that fire has the power to be extremely destructive. Burn your whole house down. And so when we start there with that metaphor, then we understand that there are safer, better conditions for this thing to be contained in, to be housed in. But I want to go a little further with that metaphor than that our relationship is the building of the house, the building of that thing that goes around that fireplace. And when we're dating somebody, this is a time for us to evaluate. Do we even want to build the same house? What kind of raw materials are we bringing to this house? You know, you're going to bring some things, they're going to bring some things. And then are you working at the same pace? Do you work at the same vision? Are your visions aligned? You know what God has for your life, what he has for their life. Do they go together that you are building the same house? Or is it that you're doing all the work and as soon as you lay bricks, they're chucking them out, you know, over their shoulder and you're the one who's left doing all of the work. So Christian dating expert and therapist Deborah Folleda says that dating is a time of investigation and not intimacy. And the issue is for us a lot of times is we're just, we want that intimacy. We want that connection. We want that bond. We want to feel good. We want to feel special. We want to feel all those things, especially if we we really want this redemption story. You know, we'd love to see things come out the way that we hope that they will the second time around or another time around. But the point being that if we're rushing to that, we're not even evaluating what is this house that we're building with this other person. We're not even seeing maybe what the truth is in what their contributions to this effort is. And we already know, if we look at the scientific research, you know, that talks about what happens to our brains when we involve sex in a relationship, that just makes the picture even more distorted. It makes things cloudier because the chemicals that are at play when we are having sex with someone or even sexual contact for that matter They create a bond between us and that other person. There's a bonding element that's going on there. And that's going to blind us to red flags. And that's going to cause us to explain things away because we already now want this thing to work. And so we are trying to make excuses for why they're not bringing materials to build the house or we're settling for a lesser design of house because, well, they just, you know, they're doing the best that they can, but I guess they can't build the house that I want them to build with me. And we don't want to do that. We want to find somebody who is going to build that house with us at the same rate, with the same level of investment. They might bring some different things to the picture, but we want to see everything super clearly. And if we involve sex too early in this whole situation, we ruin that for ourselves. We put fire inside of a house that's not even finished yet. Forget the fireplace. The house is not even done yet. And so by doing that, then we're creating this destructive force at a time where we want to be really careful about establishing a good foundation. So the theme that's running through all of this is safety. You know, God knows that for us to experience wholeness in our lives and fruitfulness and to be thriving and flourishing, 
we'll do best when we know that we're safe, that we're safe with him, that we're safe with the people that are around us. And he desires that for our kids too. And that's something that we're really responsible for. And so when it comes to the question of whether or not you should live together before you get married, that safety element comes into play here. Because just as sex is a powerful force, it's a bonding force, there is that force that exists in our relationships. And it's something that our kids don't really know where the boundary markers are for that. So a lot of times if they're in proximity to an adult regularly, so if that's someone that's coming around you a lot, or if that's someone who is living with you, that bonding force, they are more likely to move right into. They are way more likely to get connected and attached to this person in some way. And the difficulty is then if you're living with this person, your child is now forming a bond with this person, whether the relationship is healthy or not. And, you know, their little imaginations are getting going and they're starting to maybe identify somewhat with this person. And that makes it really hard for you then if that relationship is not a healthy one, if it's not something that you think should continue, that makes it a whole lot more difficult for you to then cut that relationship off. It is a situation where you may find yourself then again settling because you want to protect your child. And then if it just gets so bad that you find that you do actually need to leave that situation, if it becomes dangerous or toxic, this is actually going to create a trauma for your child. That disconnect, that ripping away of that bond is going to create a trauma for them. So any way that you slice it, this is something that for your child to experience that safety, it's something that we stand as the guard in between them and this other person, that we're not necessarily blocking our child off from a person, but we do want to measure out that bond. We do want to be that mediator in between our child and this other person to ensure that that relationship is built on a strong foundation. Same thing, at a slow and steady pace that we know that the connection that's being formed is a healthy one. Our child's ability to bond to another person is not really a great gauge of whether or not that relationship is going to be right in the long term. And when it comes to a child forming a really strong bond, a lasting, durable bond, the research shows that marriages need about five to seven years for a family to blend. So it's something that more than likely anyway, you're not going to be able to measure that out for the length of time that it takes for a child to form that bond with someone as a step-parent. It's not something that you're going to be able to measure out just in living together for a few months or years prior to a marriage happening anyway. If you're like me, you've probably already seen so many red flags in your life that you could cut them up and make yourself a lovely evening gown out of them. I have wasted so much time and tears in unhealthy relationships and mostly because I just didn't even understand red flags. And here's what I found out. Red flags aren't just for dating relationships. They are for all relationships. And what we don't know can really hurt us. With this in mind, Plus One Parents has created a class called Red Flags in Dating, What They Mean and How to Make Sure You Don't Miss Them. This is a single session class, and in this class, you'll discover why red flags even matter in the first place. You'll learn the obvious and the not-so-obvious signs of a person who is emotionally unavailable or abusive, 
and you'll also learn what you need to know instead to meet a godly match. You can actually start this class right now, today, when you join the Plus One Parents Collective All Access Membership. And you can do that by going over to plusoneparents.org. We know safety is important to God because the Bible tells us repeatedly that God is our protector. He's our defender. If he was not concerned with safety, those are not words that the Bible would use to describe him. But he's so super concerned with this. And he knows, again, when we are safest, we will get to enjoy the most he has for us out of life. And yes, there are times where there are things that happen that we experience that are not safe. But where it is in our hands to be able to control that or to moderate that, he absolutely wants us to seek safety. And in so doing, he wants for us to have the most fun. He's not trying to ruin our fun. He's not trying to take something good away from us. He's trying to give us the most good that we can experience in our lives and in a sexual relationship if that's where he has for you to go in the future. Now, all that being said, is it a challenge to have perhaps been in a sexual relationship in the past and then not be in one and be single and try to walk all of this out? 100%. <laughs> this is not an easy thing. It is not easy once you have experienced this thing in your life to not have it anymore and to have to wait and to not know how long you're going to be waiting. All of that is difficult and I am right there with you. But if we know that God wants for us to be happy and whole and thriving, how then can we walk this out? Our one action step when it comes to putting these things into practice is to decide in advance. Decide in advance. You have to decide in advance what it is that you want to see happen in your life. When it comes to sex, it's something that we don't have to plan for it to happen. It'll happen, right? <laughs> we have to plan for it to not happen. We have to decide, though, that it not happening, first and foremost, is a win for me. That it not happening is the best thing for me. You know, as I mentioned before, my relationships in the past were not pure. And I don't want that to happen again. I don't want the stress of being in a toxic relationship because I didn't do the home inspection on the front end. I want the most out of what God has for me in my life. I want that. And I know that by following his blueprint, that I will see his fruit in my life. And that is what I want above and beyond anything else. And so you have to decide in advance, what do you want for your life? And then you make a plan. So when we think about making that plan, setting ourselves up for the win, it's just like anything else in life. You know, if there's a degree you want to earn, if there's a, a major purchase that you want to make, we have to put some steps into place. You know, like I said, sex will happen if you don't make a plan. <laughs> so you have to have the plan in place to set yourself up for that win. You know, so if it's a degree you want to earn, you apply for the program, you get the books, you go to class, you choose not to go out because you want to stay home and study. And that's what sets you up for the win. You've got steps that you're trying to follow. If you've got a major purchase that you want to make, you know, it involves shopping the sales, price comparing, saving money, deciding not to buy other stuff so you can buy this thing. And I think that's the thing about making a plan is you've got to know 
both what are the things that you will do to set yourself up for the win and what are the things that you won't do to make sure that you're set up for that win. So some areas to consider, for example, when it comes to setting yourself up for the win to get that life that is thriving and flourishing and to eventually, perhaps if God has that, have this marriage relationship that is set apart and gets the most out of what God designed for both sex and relationships. When we look at what are those steps, what are those things, there's a few things to consider. So for example, if you're dating or if you're thinking about dating, you need to know in advance what are what are your boundaries. And then you need to communicate those things because here's the deal. We're maybe worried about missing out on a good guy, right? But a person who is a good guy, a great guy even, he's going to wait. He, he may have it already in his mind that he is attracted to a woman who waits. You know who doesn't wait? Lazy guys. <laughs> and so it's one of those things that limiting our options can be a good thing. And so by limiting our options, by setting our, our boundaries out in advance, we do ourselves the favor on the front side of weeding people out and of making ourselves then available for relationships where this boundary is going to be honored, where your dignity and your personhood and your safety is going to be a priority. Then some of this has to do perhaps with the things that you're intaking. You know, there are certain movies and certain types of music that I can't listen to. And it's not a legalistic thing. It's something that it draws up all this temptation. It draws up all this longing. And it is so exhausting to deal with that. I have so much more to do in my life than be stressing about when this relationship is going to come around, you know? And so if watching, you know, romantic movies, which I love, but, you know, if watching these movies is going to draw all that up for me, it's not worth it. And then you may need to stay away from places or past relationships or friendships that aren't going to support you. You know, this is about creating an environment for the win, basically. And so that means if you have friends that don't respect this, don't talk to them about this stuff. doesn't mean you have to stop being friends with them, but they're probably not the people that you want to run this stuff by, you know? When it comes to where you are, maybe you're not going to stay at a party super late. Maybe you're not going to go watch a movie at somebody's house past 11 o'clock because you know that that is going to decrease the chances that you're going to win. And that's really what all of this has to do with is what is that vision God has for me? He wants me to have more out of my life. And that means then getting the most out of my life and setting myself up to participate with him in the way he's designed, not only the guidelines for sex, but for my life in general, so that I have the ability to thrive and to be safe and to feel whole and to just move about my life in a way that really is freedom. And I know that when someone is starting to be really kind to you, maybe even if they are a great person, you're going to want to get as close as you can to that fire. <laughs> I know that. And this is something that we have to move through with God every day. It's something that we have to talk with him about. We have to maybe even complain to him about. But he's going to be right there with us. And he wants us to know, though, that we already have so much at stake. We already have so many things that he has given us, but that he desires for us. And that when we really treasure that and follow his design, that we'll experience it, that we can believe that he does have more in life for us and that that is really what's worth the wait. 
Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember you are seen and you are beloved. Beloved.